Well, this morning I want to minister to you on the subject. Sub- already starting out. Subject of joy. How many know there's a difference between joy and happiness? Everybody know there's a difference between joy and happiness? There's a difference. I promise. Joy is based on internal truths from our God, but happiness is based on external circumstances. And sometimes we get this idea, uh, especially in the church, you know, that we're all, we're all about joy and happiness. We don't like happiness. Happiness isn't important. But I can tell you the truth that happiness is pretty awesome. Who here likes to be happy? I like to be happy. But happiness is based entirely on circumstances. You know, when you walk into work and the, the boss calls you in the office and he says, we're going to give you a raise. That makes me happy. When I get to go out and have a bowl of ice cream, that makes me happy. I like, I, I like ice cream, you can tell. You know, Publisher's Clearinghouse shows up on my front door with a big, giant, fake check. That's going to make me happy. I'm going to be happy. But you know what? Happiness is fleeting. It's temporary. Because you know what? Maybe a month after you get that raise, you get laid off. And now all of a sudden, you're not happy anymore. Or maybe after so many happy bowls of ice cream, you put on 20 pounds. Not happy anymore. Or maybe you find out that it was actually Ashton Kutcher showing up to punk you and not the publisher's clearinghouse. Afterwards, you're just not going to be all that happy. But all kidding aside, there's, there's times in our lives where we're going to go through circumstances that aren't going to make us happy. Maybe you have a family member that is sick. There's nothing happy about that. Nobody gets excited about that. Maybe you're sick. You find out that you have some sort of sickness or disease. Nobody's jumping up and down about that. Maybe you're struggling financially, or you're struggling relationally. Your, your marriage is, is you got some stuff that you have to get through. Nobody is happy about those kind of things. I've just been pressing on the button. Is that what's <laughs> so like I said, there's, there's a lot of things in our lives that don't make us happy. But what do we do then? The times in our life when there is no happiness. The things that are downright just sad. Well, that's where joy comes in. Because joy is not dependent on our circumstances. Joy is not dependent on whether, again? I wasn't touching anything that time. Oh, it is. Uh Uh-oh. Let me... I know, let me fix that real quick. That's going to be terrible. (laughs) See, joy is true contentment and gladness that is a result of internal factors like our faith in Jesus. It's the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's everlasting and it's ours in Jesus Christ. That's why in James he says, in James 1-2, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of various kinds. It's not because the trials are, are awesome and joyful. It's not because we're excited about them. But it's in spite of these circumstances that we remain joyful because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished inside of each and every one of us. Amen? In Hebrews 12-2, 
It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus went to the cross, and it says he despised the shame for the joy set before him. Anybody know what the joy that was set before him was? It was you and me. Jesus went to the cross and he endured what he had to endure because of you and me, because he loved us that much. And we know that he wasn't happy. Because you guys remember the story in the garden not too long before this, he's crying out to his father and he says, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. How many know that if he was happy about what was going on, that's not the prayer that he would be praying? And matter of fact, he was so distressed, he was so distraught that he was, so, he was sweating tear, or sweating uh, blood. You know, that's an, actual, uh, that's an actual occurrence. It's not something the Bible made up that actually happens. You can become so distressed that blood vessels in your, in your skin and in, your, in your, your, your sweat glands will burst and you'll sweat blood. Jesus was that distressed over what was going to happen. And we can know why, because if you've seen what happened to him, He went through an incredible amount of torment and pain and suffering and shame for us. But it says, you know what? It was for us that he wouldn't do it. For the joy that was set before him. He endured all of those things for you and I. And in John 17, 13, it says, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Well, in John 17, 1-5, through the verses that are right before this start out with this prayer that Jesus is speaking. He says, When Jesus had spoken these words, He lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son that the Son may glorify You, since You have have given Him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom You have given Him. And this is eternal life, that they know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom You have sent. I glorified You on the earth, having accomplished the work that You gave Me to do. And now, Father, glorify Me in Your own presence with the glory that I had with You before this world had existed. Like we said, we are His joy. And this eternal life that He accomplished for us, that's what He's talking about here. He says, but now I am coming to You, and these things I speak in the world talking about the eternal life, the prayer that he just started, that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. It was his joy to go to the cross to pay the price for us, to make sure that we were pure, clean, and holy, that we could stand before God blameless. And he did that for us. That was his joy, and his joy was fulfilled in us. We receive his joy, and then his joy becomes ours. He was glorified and has given eternal life. And we have been saved and made brand new. All our faults and all our failures are wiped away. As far as the east is from the west. And I don't know about you, but that's his joy fulfilled in us. And if that doesn't give you great joy, I don't know what's going to give you joy. To realize that you have been made brand new. In John 16, 20 through 22 Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you. When he says truly twice, that means it's, it's really, really true. Especially when it's Jesus speaking it. But he wants, you to, he wants you to be clear. What I'm saying is the truth. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, 
but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. The disciples were about to have their world rocked. They'd been following Jesus for three years. They'd been everywhere with him. They were listening to his teach, teaching. They were believing that he was the Messiah, that he was the one, he was the Christ come to save them all. They loved him with all of their hearts. And he's getting ready to be killed. Now, I don't know how you guys would feel if one of your closest friends, mentor, someone that you looked up to was going to be killed, but it would destroy you on the inside. I want you to know right now that the disciples were not happy with what was going to come up. And when this happened, Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to be taken from you and you're going to weep and you're going to lament. Truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And it's true that they weeped and lament. We know that this is true because the world was ripped apart. We know that, that, that for those moments until Jesus came back, that Peter was denying Jesus. Thomas, remember, he, he said, you know what, I'm not even going to believe unless Jesus shows up and lets me see the, the holes in his hands and in his feet and the, the wound in his side. He said, I'm not even going to believe until that happens. They were rocked. The, their faith was destroyed and they didn't know what was going on. They were scattered. But then Jesus says, but you know what? At that time, you'll be weeping, but the world will rejoice. Because at that moment, things were getting put back in order. When Jesus died, things, the world even, was getting put back in order. In Romans 8.22, Paul says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth, until now. When Adam fell, when he ate from that fruit and the curse was brought upon us in the world, that's when death was introduced. That was when destruction was introduced. All those things were introduced into the world at that time. And it wasn't until Jesus restores things back to the way they, they're supposed to be, these things will be going on. And we see it today. It's getting worse today as we see earthquakes and and floods and, and hurricanes and all these things. Our world is falling apart. But when Jesus comes back for the second time, all will be restored. The earth is going to be made brand new as well as the heavens. And that's why the, the world rejoiced. Not only that, for all of us who are, who are perishing, we finally get to be saved. We can finally be made whole. We can be made pure. Even the Jews at the time, even they don't recognize it, they've been toiling in their own works for so long, trying to become right with God, but there was no way to do so. But then Jesus says, even your sorrow will turn to joy. He says that, so you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. And he uses the example of the woman giving birth to a baby. Now, I remember when I was there, when, when Michelle was having Blake, it wasn't, it wasn't a Hallmark card, I can tell you that much right now. I, I wasn't prepared, to be honest. There was some stuff that happened that nobody tells you about. <laughs> but even with the, the epidural, I mean, she's in pain, she's throwing up. 
things were not happy at the moment. Even with the epidural, no pain. There's things were not happy, and I'm seeing stuff that I never. I'm okay if I never see it again. It just wasn't. There was, but you know what? As soon as my son was born, and she held him in her arms, and I looked at my son, it didn't matter. All that stuff was forgotten. No matter how weird that stuff was, and obviously it was, it was worse for my wife than it was for me. But even her moment, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want to make the claim that it was, <laughs> I had it just as bad as her. Trust me, I get, I, I, I get it. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, all was forgotten for her, for me. Matter of fact, I remember, <laughs> the funny thing is, is, I don't know if you've ever seen babies right after they're born. And they look kind of weird and alien-like. Everybody agree with that? And I remember talking to Michelle, like, man, we hope our kid's not ugly when he's born. So he was born, and we're both crying, and we're all excited, and I lean over, and I'm like, he's not ugly. (laughs) But then I realized it's something your head does, because you look back at pictures, and nope, every baby's born weird-looking and wrinkled and and alien-looking. That's just a fact. But in, in my eyes, he was beautiful. And everything was forgotten. And you're still beautiful, Bubba's. <laughs> you see, Jesus' death is, was like childbirth. Because it was painful for, that to, for them to have gone through that. It was painful for Jesus to have gone through that. The disciples were wrecked. They were distraught. But when Jesus came back, their sorrow was turned into joy. They rejoiced, one, because they were seeing an old friend, but also because they all began to recognize what that meant. They all began to see what was actually going on. And that means that that in Jesus, they could be made brand new. They could be saved. They were righteous. They were free. And you know what? This joy cannot be taken away from you. Scripture says no one will take your joy from you. No matter how bad things get, the reality remains. You're still in Jesus, and neither this world nor the devil or anything can take it from you. It's true, we often give it up ourselves. We tend to go through a bad time and we forget about the joy that we have inside ourselves, and we kind of push it to the back burner and we ignore it. And we let our sorrows and the enemy try to steal it away. But if we'll keep our eyes on Jesus and the reality of what he's accomplished inside of us, then it can never be stolen from you. This joy is yours from now until eternity. Amen? In Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patient, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. And in Romans 15.13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The reason why I brought these scriptures up is because I want you guys to recognize that joy in our lives comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from God. It doesn't come from internally within ourselves, but it does come from God. When you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes and takes resident inside of you. In Romans 8, 9 through 10, it says, You whoever are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. When you get saved, when you ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. 
And when he resides inside of you, there's a change that takes place. There's a supernatural miracle that happens at that moment. And as a result of his life inside of you, it produces characteristics that are common to all believers. And that's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. These are the fruit of the Spirit. These aren't the fruit of our individual personalities. These aren't the the fruit of our our upbringing or, or who our parents are. But this is the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And I recognize that there's some Christians that don't model this behavior. But the truth is that Christians that don't model this behavior, and I'm not talking about the occasional times when we, when we have issues. You know, we all, we all make mistakes. We all mess up. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about as a, as a general rule in your life. If these characteristics are not yours, then those Christians are either Christians in word only, or they're rebelling against God that's inside of them. But when we let the Holy Spirit live through us, these, this is the result. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness in our lives. That's the result of the Holy Spirit living through us. And some of us might argue, Pastor Wayne, I'm just not really a, a loving person. That's just not who I am. I'm not all lovey-dovey and caring. Or, Pastor Wayne, I'm just, I'm just not a patient person. I wasn't born that way. You know, this might be true if it were left up to you. This may be in who you were. You may not have been a kind person. You may not have been a patient person. You may not have been a joyful person. But as soon as you were born again, you were given a brand new nature inside of you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you are a new creature in Christ. And that new nature that's inside of you, it's loving. It is joyful. It is patient. It is kind. Like I said in Romans 15, 13, it says that God fills us with joy and peace. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. This is coming from God who works inside of us. And you may wonder, why am I spending all this time laboring on the fact that joy comes from within and from God? It's because I want you to know that even in the worst of our circumstances, we can still have joy. We may not be happy, but we can have joy. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In what? In believing. It's amazing how much joy and peace are bestowed upon us just by believing in God. Believing He is who He says He is. Believing that He'll do what He says He will do. You know, you can be going through the worst circumstance. And if you believe God is who He says He is and He'll do what He says He'll do, you can get through anything. The, the, mo- the times that you're laid off or you don't have enough money coming in, the times that people are sick in your family because you don't become anxious. You don't become afraid of what's going on because you know God will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm still amazed at how differently my sister and I dealt with my father's death a few years back. Now, I want you to know we were both unhappy. You can't have your father pass away and be happy about it. He had pancreatic cancer and he died in his late, late, mid to late 50s. And uh, it was too soon. And neither of us were happy. Even Jesus wept at the death of Lazarus. You remember, Lazarus died. Jesus knew he was going to bring him back from the dead, but he still wept. He still felt the pain of the people around him. 
But there was a difference in how we handled the situation because I had peace and joy knowing that I would see my dad again. I had asked him, I had made sure, I said, Dad, are you saved? I, I verified with him that he had accepted Jesus. And that brings me great peace because even though he's gone now, I will get to see him again in heaven one day. But my sister was tormented at the thought of never seeing him again and was angry that he, that he was taken from her. And there's just a difference at how we receive things, at how we deal with things when you have joy in your heart because of your faith in Jesus Christ versus living without it. Psalms 4-7, the psalmist wrote, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Even when things are going great, true joy doesn't come from your circumstances. It comes from your faith in Jesus Christ. And as you can see, joy doesn't get produced as a result of our circumstances but joy is produced as a result of the work God has done inside of us. Happiness is a result of external factors and is fleeting, but joy is a result of internal factors, internal truth that does not change as long as you remain in the faith. Amen? Something else that can bring us joy is when others receive. In Acts 13, 48-52, it says, When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet again against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You know, when, when other peoples receive the gospel and they receive Jesus in their lives, that, that gives us a great, great cause to rejoice as well. It says here, the Gentiles heard this, and they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. They rejoiced because they received, but we also find that because of the disciples were filled with joy as well. Luke 15, 7 says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. There is joy in heaven when people come to the truth of the gospel. And we rejoice with heaven as well when others receive it. Amen. So here the Gentiles, they received Jesus and they they were filled with joy for receiving it. And it says they rejoiced. But then we also see that in the midst of all this joy, a reason for unhappiness occurs. Because the apostles, Paul and Barnabas were out there. People are getting saved. Everyone's excited. Everyone's happy. There's joy abounding. But then the Jews incite people against them, and they're getting persecuted. And we read persecution a lot of times, and and we think that, oh, they just turned their backs on them, or they were calling them names, or they, they made them feel bad, because that's the kind of persecution we face in the United States for the most part. But persecution for these guys was not the same thing. They were stoned. They were beaten. They were thrown out of city. And this one, it says that they were driven out of the district. In America, we got it easy. But you can look at what's happening right now over in the, in the Middle East with ISIS cutting off the heads of those Christians over there. That's the kind of persecution that they're dealing with. And how many know that when you see your, your friend's heads getting cut off or people beaten and people being stoned, that doesn't incite a lot of happiness inside of you. But we see that in the midst of this, in the midst of this persecution... The disciples were filled with joy. 
And the reason for this is because joy for them was because of what God was doing through them and in them. It wasn't circumstantial for them. And and the reality is, is for the believer, joy is regardless of the circumstance, no matter what you're going through. And I also know that personally, I receive great joy when I'm living out the calling that God would have me to do. You know, there's a difference as I go through my work week throughout the week, as most of you know, I'm bivocational. And I work all through the week at my job working on computers. And it's a good job. I like the people I work with and I like the work, but it's different than doing what God has called me to do. You see, the disciples were doing what God had called them to do and that brought them great joy as well. In Nehemiah 8.10, we find that the, Lord is, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It says then he, in verse 10, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you know the joy of the Lord is our strength? Does anybody know what the heck that means? Does that make sense to you? What does it mean that the joy of the Lord is our strength? You see, joy dictates our outlook on life. It influences how we handle every decision that we make. If your heart is filled with joy, then the bad things that happen to you in life, the stuff that we're not happy about, they don't affect you in the same way. If you lose your job, you don't lose heart. If you're told that you have cancer, you don't lose heart. If you lose a loved one, you don't lose heart. You remain strong. Your faith remains in the Lord. Your trust remains steadfast in Him. And no matter what comes against you, you are equipped to handle what's coming against you. That's one of the things we talked about uh, last week is about all the, as we talked about the storms of your life and that we're all going to face storms. The primary difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is that that. As a Christian, we're equipped differently to handle the storms that come at us in our life. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean your world's going to be great and you're never going to have problems and you're always going to be happy. But it does mean that you are able to handle what comes your way through Christ, through the strength that God has given you. You guys ever heard the old axiom that laughter is the best medicine? There was a study conducted by Dr. Michael Miller. And he interviewed 150 patients who had suffered heart troubles and 150 who had not. And each patient was asked questions to measure the response to typical day-to-day situations. And the results showed that individuals with heart problems were 40% less likely to respond with laughter. You know, if you have joy in your heart, you respond differently to what's going on in your life. And he found that the people with these great amount of heart troubles were were just negative people. They didn't have any joy in their life. You know, happiness will affect your responses for a short time. If you're having a moment of happiness, if something good has happened, you're going to respond good to even some bad things that might come your way. But if you're having a bad time, all of a sudden that 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 help that the happiness gave you is gone. Unless you have joy in your heart. Joy that can't be stolen away by your circumstances. Amen?
In 1 Peter 1, 3-6, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though, now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So here's the real reason for our joy, is that we have been born again to a living hope. That's actually where we get the name of our church from, is is this scripture right here. Born again to a living hope. And to be born again is to be made brand new. Changed from what we are. We actually talked about this in our life group last week as we were talking about the scripture saying that when Jesus said, do not be amazed that I say you must be born again and what that means. But when you're born again, you're, you're made brand new. You're changed from who you were and you're born, born into a life of hope guaranteed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I know that babies don't have any past. When a baby is born, he doesn't have any history. He doesn't have any past. He doesn't have any failings. He was just born. He has no past. When Adam was created in God's image, he was, he was created a, a, a full-grown man, but in that same state as that newborn babe. He had no past. He had no failures. He had no shortcomings. He had no shame. But then, the fall came. And now he's got that history. And that, that history, unfortunately, has been passed down to all of us. And the Bible says that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. But when we're born again, just like a newborn babe, our past is wiped away. We're given a brand new life inside of us. And we're once again grown men and women with no past, no history, nothing to hold us down. Because it's been wiped clean. The slate has been wiped clean. And that's the great thing about salvation and the resurrection of Jesus is that, that forgiveness of sin would have just been a, a band-aid on the problem. But God made you brand new. And He fixed the problem that was inside of us. That, that being a slave to sin, it was, it was removed. And we're not free in Him. So being born again and then also our inheritance that is imperishable is our reasons for our joy. And our, our, our inheritance is imperishable and it's independent of the circumstances in this world. And no matter what happens, this can't be stolen away from you. The scripture says that nothing can separate you from the love of God. And this is why we rejoice even through our struggles. He says right now, he says, in this you rejoice in all of this stuff, being born of a living hope and having an imperishable <clears throat> inheritance. He says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. In Romans 8.18, Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present age are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Guys, if you're going through anything right now, if you're, if you're having any, any problems that are bringing you unhappiness, any struggles, any storms, realize that what you're going through now, as bad as it might seem, it's going to fade just like when a, when a mother has a baby and she sees her baby for the first time. That all fades away. It's gone. It doesn't matter. Compared to what you're going to receive, this imperishable inheritance, it is nothing. 
Now, I don't want to downplay what you're going through. I understand that, that we go through some tough stuff. And I understand that we hurt and then we grieve. I'm not saying that you should ignore it and you know, toughen up. But what I'm saying is that we are equipped to handle what we're going through because of Christ inside of us. And His joy inside of us can get us through to the other side. And ultimately, when all is said and done, every tear is going to be wiped away. Every bit of pain will be wiped away. Amen? And then in James 1, 2 through 4, it says, we touched on this a little bit uh, briefly in the introduction, but it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. James says, count it all joy. You know, and I, I know when I read this, I almost wonder, it's like, James, have you ever gone through a trial before? What do you mean, count it all joy? Have you, have you gone through some tough stuff? Because I think by definition, trials aren't joyful. Trials aren't fun. I mean, has anybody ever woke up with a nasty sinus infection and went, man, this is awesome. I wish I could do this every day. No, no? Yeah, me, me either. You see, trials are a funny thing. And as we looked at last week, some are just part of being human. Sicknesses, accidents, disappointments, all to various degrees. Sometimes you're going to face trials just because you're a Christian. Persecution and spiritual warfare will come against you just because you're a Christian. And the enemy will always push back when the church is moving forward. But God doesn't send this calamity in our life. Things will come against us. Trials will come against us. But it's not God sending it. It's the enemy sending it. But you know that no matter what comes against you, what you're going through, God can use it to strengthen you, to build your faith. It's kind of like working out. Our, all of our muscles, our faith muscle needs to be worked out. You know, in the early 1990s, just north of here, they... Uh, they built the, oh man, I can't remember what it's called right now, the biosphere. The biosphere was built, sorry about that. Um, and they found when they planted all the trees in there, and they had all those, has anybody been to the biosphere? You guys been up there and seen all the different, uh, different uh, types of environments they have, from desert to forest to jungle. Anyway, they have all these things in there. And when they first started it out, everything was going great. The trees were growing, everything was working exactly like it was supposed to be working. And then after a little while, they noticed that the, the trees began to, to buckle under their own weight. Trees that this size would have been just fine out in the world, but for some reason, in the biosphere, the branches were buckling, they were breaking, they were snapping. And what they determined was is that the difference between trees that were in the biosphere and the trees in the outside world is the trees in the outside world faced wind every single day. But the biosphere is a big giant dome. There's no wind inside of it. So what was happening is those trees were never pushed against. They were never tested. They were never had any kind of, of pressure against them, so they never became strong. And the trees in the outside world, they get blown against, and they get, we find that trees that are in, in very high wind areas are the strongest trees because they've had to become strong. It's kind of like when you, you work out as well, you go and start lifting weights, and you, you begin to tear the muscles, but they grow back even stronger to be prepared to handle what is coming at it. You see, the, the stuff that we go through, 
even though it doesn't make us happy. And I, I want to be clear that it's not God sending these things to, to, to work you out. We face different trials and struggles when the enemy comes against us. And like I said, some of them is just everyday life that we all go through. But God will use these things to strengthen you. You know, and then there's other trials that we go through that are just our own doing. When we have a different expectation apart from God. The situations that we find ourselves in when we think that that God isn't moving or He doesn't have a plan for our lives and for our church. We get ourselves in binds because we have unrealistic expectations. Or sometimes we just do dumb stuff. Anybody ever done dumb stuff and caused problems in your life? Yeah, I know I have. I keep trying not to do them. Man, I try to teach my kids not to do them. But even in those moments, we still have the joy that is God's given to us. And in those moments, we are being strengthened. That's why he says, count it all joy. It's count it joy because in the testing of our faith, it's going to produce steadfastness. And this steadfastness will have its full effect that we may be perfect and complete and lack in nothing. We are able to handle whatever comes our way because we're being strengthened. Uh Uh-oh. Breathe, George. Where's George? Oh, <laughs> you see the full effect of going through these trials and these struggles is that our faith is growing and our ability to withstand anything that comes our way increases our ability to recognize that we have joy in Christ when we count these things as joy we recognize that we're growing and strengthening and then we can make our way through everything amen In Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, it says, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. You know, when we're feeling without joy, when we're feeling those moments of, of uh, unhappiness, and we feel like there's no joy in our hearts, and we just can't figure out how we're going to get through these things, the best place to go to is God's Word. Because in God's word, we begin to find out how God really feels about us. It's very natural for us to be going through a tough time and think that somehow God is punishing us, particularly if we're not not, uh, familiar with what the word of God says about these things. Because the truth is that punishment was taken out in Jesus Christ. And if God punished Jesus for all of your shortcomings, why would he punish you as well? Why would he have you pay the bill twice? We also find out in God's Word who we are in Him. We find out what our inheritance is. We learn that we are brand new, that we've been made free, that we've been restored, that we're redeemed, that we've been made whole, that we're victorious, and we find out that we are loved. And all of these things produce joy in our hearts. And none of these things depend on our circumstances, or our actions. They're fundamental truths for a Christian. If everything is falling apart around you, and nothing seems to be going right, the truth is, is you're still brand new. You're still free. You're still restored. You're still redeemed. You've still been made whole. None of that has changed. 
not dependent on your actions either. What if you've made a mistake? What if you've messed up? It doesn't matter. Those things are still true. And that should produce great joy in your hearts. Amen? And we'll end right here. In Psalm 16, 9-11, it says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to shale, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasure forevermore. You know, there's so many things in this life that can make you unhappy. And there's so many things that can make us happy. But the reality is, in both of those situations, the effects are temporary. However, joy that is found in Jesus is forever. And the scripture says that in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. That's the only way that we can have real joy in our lives. You see, happiness can be enjoyed by people that are saved and people that are unsaved alike, Christians and non-Christians. But real joy, true joy, that belongs to Christians because it comes from God. And in His presence is fullness of joy. And it's the only place to find it. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet.